welcome back to Nursing Progress, the podcast. So for those that don't know me, my name is Katie and I'm a third year adult nursing student at Solon. To begin with, I just hope that everybody is doing okay. Um, We're already approaching the end of January, which is just crazy. It's going so quickly already. Um, And I'm actually due to start my next placement of third year next week, uh, where I'll be going to a high dependency respiratory unit for seven weeks. So that's definitely gonna be very interesting. And hopefully I might be able to do an episode about my experiences there. Um, And this will actually be my final placement before my management or sign-off placement, whichever you call it, which is super scary, but I'm so excited to be one step closer to being a newly qualified nurse. But honestly, I just feel like it's going so quickly already. So moving on to the actual episode, I thought we could discuss some communication tools that student nurses can use in practice. Now, specifically, we're going to focus on the SBAR communication tool, which is an acronym for Situation, Background, Assessment and Recommendations. So before we go any deeper into this, I do want to mention that any example names or places, they are going to be just pseudonyms and aren't real people or real places to my knowledge. And this, of course, is really important for me to acknowledge and for you guys to understand as we must protect the identity of our patients. Um, And to be honest, I just kind of thought of these examples on the top of my head. So they are literally not real people, um, but I thought I'd just let you guys know. So this tool is very much widely used um, and sometimes you just end up using it naturally in practice without actually knowing yourself that you're using it. Um, It can just become kind of second nature. Um, An example of when you would use this tool is when you're handing over a patient, Um, this can be done face to face or via a phone call, whichever is the situation at the time basically. So quite obviously this can happen in many different clinical environments. Um, Face to face handovers I think are the most uh, prevalent ones. Um, So this can happen in like a ward environment as nurses from like the previous shift will share relevant information to the next shift of the day. And when you're accessing, um, you know, like the emergency department and the paramedics are bringing in a patient, often this tool is also used a lot to give the nurses a rundown of what has been found out so far. And you can also use this tool to request further interventions from doctors or other healthcare professionals that may be looking after your patient. And these will be exampled later on in the podcast. So the SBAR tool was actually originally created in the 1940s by the United States of America and they actually created this for a tool to transfer information in the military, specifically on nuclear submarines. And this was so that accurate and concise information could be transferred to promote safety. However, then obviously it's been very much implemented successfully in health and social care settings as well. So this tool was um, very much provided as a structure to healthcare professionals to formulate what they're actually going to say before they try to communicate it to anybody else. And the use of this tool has provided a very clear transfer of information. And it also prevents the feeling of like hinting and hoping that the receiver understands what is actually being communicated. And it is quite interesting because NICE guidelines actually have suggested that communication improves when nursing handovers involve a structured reporting format. Um, So it means that communication is actually a lot more effective when you're using something like SBAR, which is great. 
And on top of that, evidence actually shows that incomplete or delayed information can compromise patient safety, quality, and the patient's experience of healthcare. So using SBAR obviously provides the patient with the most effective care as well. I think it is quite important to suggest as well that by using SBAR, you're essentially not going to miss any information in your handover. And this could be the difference between doing your job right or wrong, basically. Um, and you think like if you miss out saying that the patient is for resuscitation or isn't for resuscitation, um, then this is going to cause really big problems if they end up deteriorating. So it is so important to definitely have something structured in place. So what is SBAR? As mentioned, this does stand for Situation, Background, Assessment and Recommendations. But what do these actually all mean? So we're going to break it all down. We're going to uh, go letter by letter, step by step and explain what they all mean. And we're also going to give examples of when you could use this or how you could use this as well. So S is for situation and for this step we will be communicating the exact circumstances of the situation at that current time and we'll be avoiding any non-essential information also. So things to consider are to identify yourself and if via the phone call then you're going to identify where you're calling from as well. You want to identify the patient that you're speaking about and the reason why you're calling and then you also need to identify your concern for the patient themselves. So an example of this could be as followed. Hello, uh, my name is Katie and I'm a student nurse calling from Ward 8. I'm calling about Mrs Taylor who has been admitted with an upper respiratory infection. Currently her breathing is very laboured and has increased to 29 breaths per minute in the past 30 minutes. So breaking down the example that I've just given, um, I have quite obviously identified myself as Katie and the fact that I'm a student nurse. I have identified where I'm calling from, which is Ward 8. I have identified that Mrs Taylor is my patient that I'm speaking about. And I have also identified the concerns that I have about her breathing. Next is B for background. And this is exactly what it says on the tin. Uh, we just need to mention any significant medical history, any previous procedures or interventions that we may have done, current medications, um, allergies. We can also consider things like blood test results or any other diagnostic results as well. Now, in my scenario, I could say something like the following. Mrs. Taylor is a 76-year-old female with a past medical history of diabetes and COPD. She also has an allergy to penicillin and unfortunately our usual interventions have been ineffective. So there are a few things we can break down from that example. Um, so by communicating any interventions that we have already tried for the patient, it prevents the receiver from repeating these interventions later on um, once you ask for recommendations. So alongside of that, by providing a past medical history, it does ensure that we're providing the right type of treatment for that patient. For example, um, in her past medical history, it was noted that she had COPD. Now, COPD patients are often placed on a scale to oxygen saturation scale, where they usually aim between 88 and 92%. Therefore, for a patient that has a respiratory infection and COPD, it is crucial to keep an eye on their oxygen saturations, as you might be given oxygen to them for their respiratory infection for the management of it. 
but this can then cause hypercapnia as COPD patients have a hard time shifting CO2 already and obviously this will then reflect back on the oxygen saturations. So. so the moral of the story that I just gave is that you need to understand their past medical history and by sharing this information with others it means that they will understand it too. Um, as you know, you might think that you're doing well by giving them oxygen to treat and help with the management of the infection symptoms, but actually you're doing more harm than good because she has a history of COPD. So moving swiftly on, I know I went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but uh, back to it is A for assessment. And this means assessing all of the information that you have received from vital signs, so that's your oxygen saturations, your blood pressures, your temperatures, um, having a look at any patterns that they might be showing or any clinical impressions and concerns that you do have. So by reviewing your findings, you can then also consolidate these with other indicative results, such as procedure results or blood test results. And it can also be useful to get a second opinion if you're unsure about this yourself. If you don't have a thorough assessment to review, then you may say something like, I think that Mrs. Taylor may have something or other, or I'm not sure what the problem is, but I am concerned about the patient's deterioration. So last but not least is R for recommendations. Now, this is where you want to suggest on what to do next or what you would like to happen by the end of the conversation. By explaining what you need, it ensures that an action plan is put into place and it also clarifies your expectations of this. If this is a conversation that is being held over the telephone, then any information or advice that is given needs to be repeated back to ensure that there is no miscommunication as you don't want to obviously then receive the wrong information. So an example of this could be as followed. Would you like me to get a stat chest x-ray and ABG or start an IV? Should I begin organising a rapid response team? Does this patient need to be transferred to another unit? Or when are you going to be able to get here? So breaking down the examples that I have just given, you can see that I am making suggestions such as a chest x-ray or an ABG, but I'm asking and questioning rather than stating that I am going to do a chest x-ray and an ABG. So by asking questions, I'm clarifying that my suggestions are the right course of treatment. However, for a scenario where you're just handing over information to the next shift, you may suggest recommendations differently, such as stating what needs to be done rather than actually just questioning. So you may say something like, Mrs. Taylor needs an ABG done and a chest x-ray has been booked, but we're just waiting for porters. And of course, with this SBAR tool, there are many different ways of sharing the information that you have, and not everybody does it the same. In literature reviews, it does show that one system doesn't fit all settings and that adaptations may be needed. And realistically, it may not go as smoothly as mentioned due to just a, a hectic environment, really. But you just need to remember to stay cool and calm, remember to breathe and write down notes before you communicate them. After using the SBAR tool as well and implementing any recommendations that have been suggested, it's important to continuously monitor your patient after. So you need to assess the effectiveness of the recommendations and if there are any other concerns, then it's important to report them back immediately. And this will prevent any time being lost for your treatments. Now, I'm 99.9% .9 sure that you will hear SBAR at least once, if not more, in your nursing degree. So it's definitely something that I would recommend to get used to. And many clinical environments now actually have printed out sheets with the format on it. 
and this is to help us write notes before we communicate them so it's actually really handy. So that is all for today's episode. If you have any other questions, want to chat or just want to follow the rest of my nursing degree journey, then you can follow me on Instagram at stn underscore Katie or you can now follow me on Twitter at KatieG2303. I'm really sorry that's like a bit of an awkward Twitter handle but it was the only one available. Um, But yeah, thank you all so much for your support and I will see you in the next episode. Bye bye. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.